0: So good to be back after my one week off due to COVID. I wasn't very sick. I had a sore throat for two days, but my mother was coming, first time in five years, and she's 88, so I didn't want to give her anything, and sure enough, I was sick. But I'm here, I may sound a little croaky today, and that's because on Friday, I did my normal exercise routine in the morning. And then I'm sitting in my office at quarter to four, and my oldest daughter, Brittany, calls. She says, Dad, is that right that you're going to come to Friend and Family Day at my CrossFit gym? Uh, I don't remember committing to that, but I said yes. And I don't know if you're familiar with CrossFit. It's crazy. They have an hour-long class, and they just keep doing one thing after another but I've watched Brittany in some competitions where she has a partner, and she would do 10 military presses while her partner waited, and then her partner would do 10. So I thought, that's okay. I'd only be working out half the time. But every four minutes, the bell rang, and we had to both go and run 200 meters. And that seemed okay the first few times, but it was 30 degrees outside, and my face is getting redder and redder, and, but I survived. I got through it all. They had food for us at the end, and then we had our granddaughter for a sleepover last night, and she got into bed with us, and I never even woke up. That's how tired I was, but I'm surviving, we're here. Now, there are all kinds of tests that people will give to evaluate how well a person would respond in a time of crisis when there's a sense of urgency. And one of those is where they take a person into a bathroom and they have the the tub filling with water, rapidly filling with water, and they show you a teaspoon, a tablespoon, and a cup. And they say, your job is to bail out that tub. It's to get that water out of that tub. And so, obviously, people are going to choose the, the cup, and they start frantically bailing the water into the toilet or into the sink, whichever is closest. But there are a few people that, when taken into that room, they just slow down for a moment. They stand back, and they think about it, and then they go up to the tub, And they reach, first of all, to the tap, and they turn the water off. Then they pull the plug out of the drain. And then they take the cup, and they start to actually bale water. And I think many of us, when we reach that point of crisis, when we feel that the water level is rising and that something needs to be done, we tend to just kind of grab the best option that's available, and we just frantically go at it. But something's got to be done. We know that and we want to do something. But is it the best thing? So a husband finds out that his wife is going to leave him because of his anger problem. And what does he do? He enrolls in anger management classes and then he figures, I'll take up yoga and maybe these things will calm me down a little bit. He knows he's got to do something, so that's what he does. A couple finds out that they're having a really hard time making the minimum due payments on their credit cards, and things are just falling apart financially for them. So what do they do? They find a book on management of your finances, and maybe they'll sell some of their stuff in a yard sale, but they'll take some immediate action. Or a man begins to have chest pains, and he realizes, okay, My lifestyle is catching up to me, the stress and the way I eat. And he thinks, I've got to do something. So he goes on another diet and gets a membership at the local gym. Now, none of the things in these scenarios are bad. In fact, they're good, and there's a place for them. But the challenge is when we focus more on behavior modification. It's just like grabbing a cup and trying to bale water out of the bathtub. It might do some good in the short term, but the water is still filling up, so it rarely brings lasting change. And this is what Solomon is going to talk about in Proverbs chapter 4. So this summer, we're actually doing a series on the Proverbs and seeing some of the advice that Solomon has for us. So I'd like you to think about an area in your life that needs some attention right now, something that needs to be changed. Uh, it might be an anger problem, it could be an eating problem, uh, maybe it's a pornography problem, it could be a gossip problem, or, or maybe it's one that it's a spending issue. But is there some area in your life that needs to be addressed right now? And when most of us address that, we think, okay, what do I do about it? And, and we want to come up with this list of behaviors that we can do to, just to change things for us. So our focus is on behavior modification. What do I need to do? What can I change right now that will bring about lasting change in my life? And that seems obvious, so we focus on the cup, the teaspoon, and the tablespoon. However, as we're going to see today in this study of Proverbs, behavior modification isn't the key to effective application. We think that the best way to apply these Proverbs, many of which are behavior-based, is just by doing things differently. But you might think that works, but Solomon's going to say, no, you're not really getting to the source of the problem. So we're going to focus on some different words and phrases in this one verse, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 27. Let's begin with verse 23. Guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. So Solomon's saying that there's this tendency to put your attention on your behavior, and it's just wanting to change the way you act. But all of those actions are coming out of your heart. You might think you have an anger problem. You might think you have a spending problem. You may think you have an eating problem or a gossip problem, but you've actually got a heart problem. And you can alter your behavior, and it might bring about some temporary change for a week or two, maybe a month. Things are different. But many of you have tried to change your behavior, and it hasn't worked. And you find yourself back in the same situation, and you're exhausted, and you've been bailing water as quickly as you can. But the problem is the tap is still running. And just as quickly as you're bailing the water out of that tub, it's pouring back in and filling up again. So Solomon says it's about the heart, that's the issue. And when you read through the book of Proverbs, you find out that the word heart is used 75 times in that book, and that's because everything comes from the heart. In chapter 27, verse 19, he said, "'As the face is reflected in water, "'so the heart reflects the real person.'" So it's our heart that defines us, that determines what we do. It determines how we act, what we say. And sometimes we say something or we do something, and we don't even know where that came from. We don't know how it happened. And we might even be talking to a friend, and we say something, and and they're surprised, and they say, where did that come from? And we we don't even know for sure where it came from. But Solomon says, I know where it came from. It came from your heart. And we can address all kinds of behaviors, and we might make some temporary progress. But until we get to the heart, there won't be any lasting change. Let's just imagine that you go out for a hike in the woods and you come upon this creek, and it is horribly polluted. All kinds of garbage in the creek, and then that foamy stuff building up along the sides. So you decide you're going to do something about it. So you start frantically working and pulling garbage out of this one section of the creek. And after a few hours, you've made a little bit of a difference. But you're exhausted, so you go home, and you come back the next day, and you go and you look, And you can't even tell what you've done. The garbage has filled back in again. So you go at it again, and you work as hard as you can to get as much trash out of there as you can. Looks kind of nice. Come back the next day, and it has all filled in again. So now you decide, okay, I've got to find the source of this problem. And you walk upstream, and you realize that this creek actually runs through the garbage dump. So, until you do something about that dump, you're never going to get that creek clean. So, until you address the source of the problem, you're not really doing any good at all. You might make a little progress each day, but until you address where it's flowing from, you're going to be back in the same situation. So Solomon says that's what the heart is for. And sometimes this trash shows up in our life and we're not sure where it came from. It feels like we're making an honest effort at getting rid of this stuff in our life, but we wake up the next day and we do it all over again and we just can't seem to get ahead. So Solomon says that's because it's flowing from the heart. And he said, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. So in other words, you treat your heart as your most valuable asset. The Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada says that more than 2.6 million Canadians have some type of cardiovascular disease. So that's 1 in 12 Canadians. You know that once this happens in a person's life, it it changes how they live. It changes their diet. They increase their physical activity as a result of it. They may be on expensive medications. Even if a health plan covers a percentage of it, it's still a lot of money. So it's a major change to that person's life. And that's because we give all this attention to the heart Because it is so important. Life flows through the heart. Our heart pumps 100,000 times a day. And 7,500 liters of blood flows through our body each day. So we give the heart appropriate attention. But how have we developed this behavior modification mentality? Many of us probably grew up in homes and churches where the focus was all on our behavior. And what was punished and what was rewarded was behavior. If I was disrespectful to my brother, then I was in trouble. Now, I could think disrespectful things about him as long as I didn't say or do anything. I didn't get in trouble. And then... If I'm disrespectful to my parents, I'm going to get my mouth washed out with soap. But I can think it in my mind and in my heart. I can have it there. As long as I don't say anything, I'm not going to be in trouble. So if I don't do my chores, I'm not going to get my allowance. So we grow up in this system of behavior modification. And behavior obviously matters because it shows what's in the heart. So it needs to be addressed, it needs to be rewarded, and it needs to actually be focused on. A person grows up in that system, in that home or in that church, and and it's all about rules. Thou shall do this, thou shall not do that. And then they go away to university and suddenly... Mom and dad aren't around, and the church that they grew up in doesn't have as much influence on them at this point. And the motivators to monitor their behavior really aren't much of a factor. And what do we see? Without the rewards and punishments, the heart begins to surface. That's why the Bible puts such emphasis on the home, even in the Old Testament. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So the focus is on the heart. So don't just treat this like a list of rules. Don't just make your kids do these, but rather make sure these are impressed on them, that they are written on their hearts I don't know how many times as a pastor that I've had people come up to me and they've said, "Uh, look, uh, uh, here's the story. I don't know how this happened. And and I, I was already thinking in my mind, how could this have happened? But they say it themselves. I don't know how this happened, but I did this, I did that. I got in trouble this way. And they don't know what led to it. But something happens in their life And they have a realization that the water is beginning to overflow the tub. And and they've got to do something. And they don't know how it got to be like this. So a husband, he strikes his wife. And he never imagined that he could ever do something like that. In fact, he promised himself that he would never do that. He would never treat his mom the way that his dad... Excuse me, he never treated his wife the way his dad treated his mom. That would never happen to him. Then there's a couple in high school, and they break their promise to remain pure. Or a man has an affair with his best friend's wife. How did it happen? They don't really know. Or a mom, she yells, and she swears at her child. And she remembers as a child promising herself, I'm never going to talk to my children the way that my mom talked to me. And so they wonder, How did it happen? And the answer is, what was planted in the heart comes to the surface. And they're as surprised as anyone else. They don't really know how it happened. It was a long time coming, but their heart was unguarded. A lot of trees came down in Halifax when Hurricane Juan blew through here and ravaged our city in September 2003. And there aren't a lot of trees in our neighborhood here, but I got a hold of a chainsaw and I went around the neighborhood helping people that had some trees blow over or maybe a branch or a big limb of a tree had fallen on their house and and they needed that cut off. But a little further down the street, there was one really big tree that I wasn't going to tackle with that little chainsaw. And so they hired experts And then I hung around, kind of acting like I was an expert, too, and I was asking them questions about what they were doing. And then I said, boy, that hurricane must have been pretty strong to blow that big tree over. And then one of the guys said, actually, it wasn't the hurricane. And you might think it was, so I'm a little puzzled-looking. And then he showed me the tree, and the inside of that tree was rotten, and the rot had been growing for years. So that tree had been decaying from the inside out, and that tree had actually been falling for years. And it just happened to be that one storm, that final storm that blew it over. And sometimes we see this moment in life where everything starts to overflow and we see it in someone else's life and we wonder, how did that happen? And, And we think that there was this one big storm that just kind of blew the tree over. But in reality, more often than not, it was something that had been building up over time in the heart and after time, the heart came to the surface That's why Jesus put such a strong emphasis on the heart. And when you read through the Gospels, you're actually kind of shocked by the way that he seems unconcerned with people's behavior because he was more concerned with the heart. He goes straight to the heart over and over again. The religious leaders, uh, they had behavior modification down to a science. They were the experts. But look at what Jesus said to them in Matthew 15. These people show honor to me with words, but their hearts are far from me. So he's got no patience for that. And then later on in the chapter, he explains why the heart's so important. Surely you know that all the food that enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then goes out of the body. But then he says, But what people say with their mouths comes from the way they think. These are the feelings that make people unclean. Out of the mind come evil thoughts, murdery, adultery, sexual sins, stealing, lying, and speaking evil of others. So we see these things. And we think, where did that come from? And Jesus says, here's where it came from. It came from the heart. Everything flows from the heart. And there's another word that's used in here, and it's the word guard. And the best translation for that is guard diligently against the enemy. And the inference here is that there is a hostile attack that is taking place, and it's just about to be launched against you. But if you wait for the attack to happen, it's too late. So we have to be proactive and we set up our defenses and we are setting up our guards. And as we read through the book of Proverbs, it would be easy to just, you know, read through it and think, wow, Solomon is really pretty hardcore here. All this counsel about watching out for this and listening for that. Why does he go to such extremes? But it's because what's inside is valuable. So in verse 20 and 21, he talks about the ears now. My child, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to what I say. Don't ever forget my words. Keep them always in mind. So as you read through this book over and over again, Solomon says, listen, listen. Listen, and he knows why, because our ears are a pathway to the heart, and what you hear, whether good or bad, will eventually flow out of your life. But there's a tendency to think, I don't need to worry about what I hear, because it's not me doing anything. The music I listen to, the comedian I listen to, maybe the gossip I listen to, or the jokes that the guys are telling at work. I'm not the one singing it, I'm not the one saying it, I'm not the one telling it, I'm not the one gossiping, I'm just listening. And we think that we haven't really done anything. But the Bible says that something's being done to us and that our ears are a gateway to our hearts. Then in verse 25, he speaks of the eyes. And he says, keep your eyes focused on what is right and look straight ahead to what is good. And why? Because what we see, it has an even more direct line to the heart than what we hear. We remember This is frustrating for a pastor to say. We remember about 11% of what we hear. So James and I and the other guys that fill in preaching here at times, we realize that all those hours we put in, 89% of the stuff that we've prepared, you're not going to hear. But we're hoping you get the good 11% in all of that. But when it comes to sight with proper... Work being done, we can actually remember about 80% of what we see. So it's a gateway to the heart. So we protect our ears and we protect our eyes. But once again, the tendency when it comes to our eyes is to think, I can watch this, I I can look at that website, I I can read this book. Uh, I've not really done anything. But the Bible says, that when we open the vault to our hearts and we let that in, eventually that's what flows out of our lives. And it's just, in another way, it's the trash making its way downstream. So there's a cumulative effect to this as well, which makes it harder to spot. We just do a little bit at a time, but it keeps adding up over time. It's like when you go to the doctor and he or she gets you on the scales, and then the doctor says, you've gained 20 pounds since you were here the last time. How did that happen? Now, the doctor isn't expecting you to say something like this. Well, my family and I went to the all-you-can-eat buffet last week, and boy, I guess I ate 20 pounds worth. I really got a good deal on that buffet. But he He knows it's not that. The doctor knows it didn't happen all at once, that something changed about your diet and maybe also what your exercise, but your intake of something changed. You might not have noticed it, but it happened slowly and it built up. Many of you know that I had colorectal cancer surgery eight years ago, and my weight in the recovery process got down to the 160s, which I wasn't since grade 10. And I was eating, and I was even starting to walk and exercise some, and I still, 169 pounds, I was stuck there. And I said to the doctor, what's going on? And she said, well, your muscle and, and what you're eating is going to healing of, of all the surgery that you've had. And so I just kept eating and going along. And then I had Peter and Debbie Boyer, uh, their daughter, Faith's wedding, and the photographer didn't just take pictures. Now that you have uh, digital cameras, you can take all kinds of pictures. So he was going around taking pictures of all the guests, and there was a picture of me sitting down. My jacket was open, and my belly was strained right out of my shirt, and I got on the scales, and I had gained 30 pounds. But it just happened gradually over time advertisers know all about the cumulative effect because you will see the same commercial over and over again even during the same program you will see the same commercial sometimes back to back but they know that if they continue to plant seeds in your heart they'll eventually take root so that's why in psychology, they call it the law of exposure. And that says that our minds absorb and our lives reflect whatever we are exposed to the most. And so what we allow into our ears and, and into our eyes makes its way into our hearts. But there's a tendency for us to uh, sometimes see parents or maybe families. And we think, wow, wow. They're being really strict here. They're being awfully protective with their child. But if our hearts are that important, then doesn't it make sense to go to extremes to make sure that what's inside is guarded? There are a few other things I just want to touch on to help us guard our hearts. And the first one I want to talk about is accountability. You need to have another Christian of the same sex that that. Basically knows what's going on in your heart. Someone who can say, is everything okay? You don't seem quite yourself here today. And they can do that because they can see into your heart. So we need someone like that. And then I would also say that prayer is vital. Because have you ever noticed how difficult it is to pray when your heart is unguarded and you've been allowing things to come in through your ears or through your eyes? It's difficult to pray. And the opposite is also true. When you're praying, it's difficult for that stuff to enter into your life. So I would challenge you to pray. And then I would also challenge you to practice scripture meditation. This message was supposed to be last week, which was the 2nd of July, and I had looked at the fact that there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and 31 days in July, so I was going to say, read a chapter and meditate on it, the corresponding chapter, for each day of the month. So you're behind a little. But just take some time later today, sit down, read chapters 1 through 9, and you'll be caught back up again. And then just do that for the rest of the month. Read one of those Proverbs and just meditate on it for a few moments. And then I want you to practice holy thinking. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, Brothers and sisters, think about the things that are good and worthy of praise, think about the things that are true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. Now the challenge for us is that we're constantly scrolling through Facebook, uh, the internet, the uh, Instagram, 24-hour news. I, I've been working with this young guy who said well, it actually record, is recorded on your phone apparently. And he looked it up and five hours a day he's spending just scrolling through things. So we're working on that because when you're doing that, you're inundated with stuff that doesn't qualify as true, as honorable, right, pure, beautiful, and, and respect it. So we need to be intentional to guard ourselves from too much of that to also give our mind and thoughts to what would qualify as good and worthy of praise. Now, I know the tendency is to put the attention on behavior modification. Now, we've got these changes that needs to be made. Uh, We see the water rising in the tub and tell me what I need to do but we can't save ourselves in that way the The old testament is just full of these attempts all these laws that the people were supposed to follow in order to save themselves and they couldn't do it all it did was show that we have a heart problem and a heart problem that needs to be addressed now we have doctors in our midst so hopefully i'm not inaccurate in what i say here but the procedure called the angiogram. That's where the cardiologist will inject dye into a vein or an artery in the groin area, and then they everybody watches on the screen as that dye goes up to the heart, and it will let the doctor know if there is a blockage? And then he can also then do an angioplasty and he can send a little probe up through there and there's a balloon on the end that expands the artery and then they bring a little stent along behind and put it in there to keep that from collapsing again. But the problem is that sometimes that test isn't even done because the Symptoms actually don't seem cardiovascular in nature. Maybe the patient has back pain or can't sleep very well or is experiencing anxiety, all kinds of things that don't seem heart related. So the patient will medicate the symptoms when in reality the problem is a heart issue. Don't leave here today continuing to medicate the symptoms. Understand that we have a heart problem and the only cure is actually going to be a heart transplant. That's the only thing that will work. And that's what God offers to us through Jesus Christ. So there's a powerful prophecy in that foreshadows what Jesus would do here in the book of Ezekiel. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So that's the invitation. That's the challenge. Don't leave here with that same stony heart, but allow God to give you a new heart through faith in Jesus Christ. And then call upon his spirit. Allow his spirit to fill you, to then guard your heart so that what is in your heart when it overflows into your life, will be good, respectable. It will be a blessing to others.